Hello, friends and family, mom and dad. Uh, welcome to the latest edition of Alchemy Answers. This will be episode five. It's Jenkins Dota here, and I'm with my good pal, Dota 2 Elevated. Donnie, how's it going, man? Uh, good. I've been losing a lot of pubs, but uh, you know what? It's just uh, a learning process that I need to figure out something something different than what I've been doing, apparently. I've been I've been winning a lot of pubs. I've been channeling your negative energy and then turning it into like there's negative there's negativity in the world. There's positivity in the world, right? And it balances out. And your negativity and how negative your pubs are going is influencing how my pubs are going in a positive way. So if you keep losing, that'd be great for me, actually. So what you're saying is you're like the monsters from Space Jam, and I'm Michael Jordan. <laughs> I don't remember the plot of that movie at all, and I've seen it about ten times, dude. Uh, let's get on to the questions. Because uh, that's why people are here, is to have their questions answered. If you're not familiar with Alchemy Answers, this is where we answer the questions from our YouTube comments or Facebook or Twitter, wherever people are submitting them. Mostly the YouTube comments, though, because that's where the most discussion is. And we just talk about a few questions per week. We put these up on uh, YouTube immediately afterwards. And we also have a strictly audio podcast format, uh, which is published through the Anchor app. Uh, but is also available on like pretty much every podcast platform because Anchor distributes it on everything. So I think we even are on Spotify and stuff like that now if you want to find it there. Yeah, yeah. And we have a Tinder now too. So if you see us, make sure to swipe right, guys. Yeah, because we like to have our, you know, our morale boosted as we're going to games. We want to feel like we look good so we can play well as well. All right. So question number one is... This is kind of an interesting one. It's, at what MMR does team play become somewhat cohesive? My favorite hero is Elder Titan, and he's great for making highlight plays, but it's awfully frustrating playing at low MMR where no one works with him. I mean, it's hard to say because it's been a while for me since I played in the in like the proverbial trenches. Uh, so I can't say how it is in different brackets that I haven't played in, but I got to say that depending on the teammates that you have, even in, in high-rated games, People still don't really do team play. It Dota's weird. People have this mentality where they want to go in and win solo and be the star of the show. Like they're the they're the they're like the the star actor, you know. And the movie's just about them, and they're like the superhero, and everybody else is the villains and like the idiots that are holding them back. But really, it's it's a team game. So I I would say that good communication probably would benefit you a lot if you're trying to play heroes like that i would wager that if you're struggling to get your team to do things then you probably might not be using your mic enough because like i said even in the high rated games people don't people don't do the team play stuff at all they really don't unless there's a lot of communication going on and uh, it just so happens that if you get like a top 100 game you've a lot of you know tier one players and stuff and they'll constantly be demanding things telling people what to do and and it, it opens up that line of communication when when one person does it and and in those games so you'd be more likely to see it in those games only i think because the the of the communication aspect being open to people so i would say just if you're looking to play heroes like that you can you can try to you could just try to communicate a lot more and in terms of where team play gets better like i said i'm not 100 percent sure but i would wager that it probably just sucks almost equally across across all brackets obviously when people don't understand heroes and stuff you're talking like 1k and, and things like that and then people yeah they'll be they'll be worse but i think if you're if you're a decent rating people will naturally people have watched competitive they've watched other people play they've they've 
seen everybody knows every hero for the most part in Dota um, above like the average rating. So I think I think that people are capable of doing the team play stuff. It's just a matter of you setting it up so that so that they're they'll play with you. And I think communication is kind of the only way that you can really do that. Unless Donnie, you think that there's there's more you can do. Uh, no, I mean I was pretty much gonna say that. I was gonna say I hate to break it to you, but uh, Dota uh, solo queue is uh, pretty much never cohesive. <laughs> it's basically entirely luck based on who is on your team. Sometimes you'll get teammates that want to talk and communicate and listen. Other times you'll just have everybody who thinks that they know best. Maybe they've muted their entire team. Uh, maybe they only have toxic communication. But essentially, as far as cohesive team play, it's kind of just like a lottery. And sometimes you win it and oftentimes you lose it. But what Jenkins did say about communication is extremely, extremely important. And I've, I've talked to a lot of people who are like, what can I do to, you know, get my teams to do stuff? And I'm, I, my answer is always just, just tell them, <laughs> just ask them to do things, use your mic and talk to your team. And usually good things will, will happen, or at least they have, they have at least a significantly higher chance of happening. If you ask somebody to do something, than if you just expect them to like, know exactly what you want them to do, um, which has almost a 0% chance of happening. Um, and a lot of people respond to that with like, well, I don't want to use my mic. And if that's your response, it's like, well, then you just don't care about gaining MMR and you need to be honest with yourself. Because if you have ever watched like a high level streamer like BSJ or uh, Envy or um, No One or Gorik, like any of these people that are in the top 50, top 100 rating, they talk constantly and if the game is a game that's like fairly high rated as far as like everybody in it is at least top 200 or higher, then pretty much everybody on the team is just communicating all the time. Um, and they're all using mic because it's just the easiest way to communicate, to be as direct as you want. And I actually wanted to ask you Jenkins, I think my theory is just that these players are players that have like played on teams and feel like maybe it's okay for them to talk to their teammates and communicate in that way. And maybe a lot of the other sort of like pub stars who haven't really played on a real team just don't even feel comfortable talking to their teammates. And maybe it's not, they don't know if it's like acceptable. And certainly at the lower MMRs, I think a lot of people just don't really understand that it's like acceptable to communicate with your teammates. It's, oh yeah, it's completely acceptable. No, I think you're right. Like I remember Yawar and Ritsu, for example, they never spoke on their mics at all when they were pub stars. But now if you get them in a game, like these guys don't shut the fuck up, you know, but in a good way, like in a good way, like they're just constantly talking about the game. And, but before they, they didn't say a single thing. They play, they played solo. So yeah, you, you know, you, you become more comfortable with it when you're in an environment where you literally need to do it. Like if you're playing competitive and you're complaining that your team isn't doing things when you, when you set, when you set them up for it, even if you set them up perfectly, you hit like a five man black hole and it's your fault if you're not communicating that like your team you, you, people can't read minds like that's that's just a you, you there's so much to focus on in a game of dota people cannot possibly be paying attention to every little single intricacy like do you know what your what spells your team is casting do you know what items your team has at all points in the game now you like you can't click a you just spend the entire game clicking five heroes if you if you wanted to do that right so there's just too much information, and that's why you need to communicate the really important stuff. And competitive, you learn that really, really quickly. Um, so I would say, yeah, if you if people are muting you too and and telling you like, oh, mic user, 
tell them to fuck off. Mute them. Just mute them. They're idiots. Like if they think that, then they're gonna they're gonna stagnate and be and be low on Lamar because it's way better in in any sort of team environment, even in like a workplace. If you communicate more and got in a relationship, if you communicate more, it la- it tends to last longer. You know, both people tend to be more prosperous. It's just like communicate people are social it's it's like it's really really basic psychology i think and uh that that i mean goddamn, this is getting really like really like high level but that's why humans are so intelligent and so smart and have cities and do so well because we fucking yeah can you imagine can you imagine building a skyscraper but there were no blueprints and no communication between any of the workers It, it would be impossible it would actually be impossible everybody has a job Everybody has a job. You couldn't possibly pay attention to what every single person's job is in society. And yet we have these skyscrapers and we have art and we have like these tunnels under fucking San Francisco that Elon Musk is building and and rocket ships and all this stuff. And it's literally just because those people communicate extremely well because there's no goddamn way one person could know all of the combined information of all of those people. And Dota is a, it's obviously a very small microcosm of that, but it's a, it's a complicated game. There's so many permutations to this game. So communicating is key. I think we nailed this one into the ground for sure. So I, I just made a video on my hotkeys and how I kind of created the theory behind my hotkeys. And so this one is just kind of a follow-up to that, which is, is QuickCast really good? We actually got a bunch of questions about QuickCast. So I just wanted to get your opinion on QuickCast because I've already given mine uh, in that video and I'll just reiterate it real quick, which is that I think everybody should try QuickCast, whether you end up using it or not. It's definitely worth trying it out to see if you can get used to it because it makes you faster. I don't use it. <laughs> That's my answer. Is there any reason why? Uh, I tried it. I just kept fucking it up. My my um my APM is already like obscenely high. Like I'm a very twitchy person, so I I, I don't have uh, any issues with with doing things quickly. In fact, like most most teams that I'm on, they they criticize me and say that I should slow things down because I, I do I do things like way way too quickly. It's, it's just something you gotta work work yourself into. You know, if it's good, it's good though. Like I would definitely say, don't feel. Like because you're used to something, you shouldn't you shouldn't try things that are you know objectively objectively better. Um, there's a lot of settings that I have turned on and that things that I've gotten used to that have made me a much much better player. It's always an extreme struggle at first, and it feels awful, but um, eventually it it does make you a lot better. Like for instance, I had no idea how to use control groups, and I was playing Beastmaster, and then I started using control groups. Get control groups, and you're gonna micro pretty well. You know, it's it's obvious good stuff yeah i mean i am currently introducing using quick cast on items which is something i've never done before but it really helps with doing like item combos like bloodthorn nullifier instantaneously and uh it's just something that i think i need to do but i have been completely screwing things up <laughs> i've been like tp'ing to random places by accident and blinking to random places by accident and so it's been a struggle but uh, I think ultimately it's going to be for the best. So I would say absolutely try it out. It's worth trying to learn. And I would say give yourself at least like 10 to 15 games before you decide one way or the other. I have a question for you, sirs. What should you do if you pick a hero like Rubik and the enemy ca- team counterpicks you with a hero like Bristleback? What do you do when somebody hard counters you in lane? Do you dodge the lane and go help another lane or...
That that's a good question. That is that is a really good question. There, I want to preempt this by saying there is sometimes where in pubs you just get completely, utterly outdrafted, and you just need to try to play your best and hope for the best. Sometimes that does happen, but I'd say that's like a one in a hundred games thing. Um, and if you find that's happening to you a lot, then it's probably because you're picking a support fourth or fifth or something like that, uh, where, where you lose the draft like that. But if you, you know, if, if you get, if you get countered, uh, yeah, you can, you can leave the lane. Uh, one thing for supports that a lot of people do in competitive is that like, let's say you have a warlock as a support and then you pick like a Rubik as a support. They pick something which completely destroys a warlock in the safe lane. For example, let's say they pick some Sand King Lashrak thing where they're just going to kill the Warlock over and over again. It doesn't matter that he has the heal. But then in their safe lane, they have a Skywrath Mage. Then you can swap the two supports, keep the keep the cores in the same lane, and just and just move uh, move the supports around. Like, supports moving between lanes isn't honestly that big of a deal, especially if you have a, a safe laner that's that's relatively independent, something, something like a Marana. Um, sometimes you just have to, you just have to like sacrifice the fact, let's say you have a safe laner like anti-mage and you're a support, obviously the anti-mage needs babysitting. There's, there's almost no scenario in which you want to leave him alone, but let's say you're against something that you feel does completely hard counter you. Uh, you can do your best for a little while to zone that hero. Let's say you feel bristles really, really good against your hero. You can do your best to zone them, but then what you can do is you can just start pulling. You can just use the pull and if they block the pull, you buy sentries. So like, there's always that pull to fall back on and, um, that that's something that's something for Pudge that that I did for a long time, where I basically have this flow chart where it's like, okay, if they have a mid SF, I'm gonna make that guy wish that he had never started Dota. You know what I mean? But sometimes people pick like a mid puck or a mid quap, and what does a Pudge do versus a quap or a puck? Absolutely nothing. Probably feeds. And then let's say in the safe lane they have like some tri lane that just destroys you. And then let's say in the off lane they have a bristle back. So like, what does Pudge really do to a bristle? Maybe you can kill him at level one. It's pretty hard. For the most part, there are no lanes that you can kill. What I will do in that scenario is I will just pull. I will just get my farm and wait until I have a power spike. Where let's say I get level six on Pudge. Now it's not so simple. Now these heroes can't survive me like they could before. So it's it's just all about balancing. Like, try to think about the game and try to do, go to the place that allows you to do the most at that current time. And if you can't do anything, give yourself the space to get to the point where you can do something. Like sometimes you should just be greedy until you're six on Rubik, and then all of a sudden, like, who gives a damn about a bristle? You're just gonna steal spells and win team fights and stuff like that. Like there are points in the game where you can come back and just aim for those points. Aim for the points where you're going to be able to have a power spike, where you're actually better than those heroes. And obviously it depends a lot on the matchups and stuff, so I can't really go into too much detail. Yeah, uh, not a whole lot to add to that other than just like, if if you truly feel like you can do nothing except for basically just like leech experience and maybe heal your, your core with like your own re regeneration items, then you should... Number one, I would say, look to see if you can create space for him by pressuring somewhere else on the map. So if you see a, a very vulnerable safe lane carry on the other side or a mid, like Jenkins was talking about with SF and Pudge, then just leave your carry in a one-on-one -on -one to just be like, hey man, play safe, I'm gonna go pressure somebody else. And that is better than just sitting there and like, you know, right-clicking a hero that has six HP regeneration when you do no damage and 
splitting the experience that you're getting with your carry because that'll that will ruin their game super hard um and the last thing i wanted to mention is that like jenkins said if you give yourself space like if there's nothing else to do that does mean that they are still dedicating a lot of resources to shut down the lanes so if you can somehow get some amount of farm on yourself like having a support that has you know semi core levels of farm is never a bad thing and so if you're just in a spot where you as a support cannot impact the laning stage at all then just kind of becoming that greedy core is like basically your job in that game because it's more efficient to have a fourth core at some point in the game than it is to just have a very weak support and a very weak core in the lane that's losing already. Last question is, can you do a video on how to prevent pub heroes like Slark, Elsie, Axe, Ricky, and Huskar from snowballing rapidly? Those heroes focus a lot on solo pickoff and gain big power spikes at six. How do you play against them if you face them? So we're not going to make an actual video on that currently, but we will answer this question here uh, because it's, I think it's really kind of straightforward to be perfectly honest, but I'll let you go ahead, Jenkins. Well, it's, important in my opinion to recognize when these heroes become powerful because something like a slark or a legion commander they don't start the game strong they don't at all and a lot of the time you can throw enough heroes at them where if you if you're really worried about them being a big deal then you can shut them down before they're a problem and if you ever need to deal with them after they're a problem, you can you can smoke to them, you can kill their team, and then kill them last. Like there's a lot of options that you can do to to stop to to stop these snowballing heroes. It's just a matter of of thinking about it differently, thinking about the game differently, rather than just like okay, let's say there's like a tidehunter that's snowballing. Are you gonna five v five into ravage? No, of course not split push and then take picks and then eventually maybe you'll get bkbs and he's not a problem anymore because tide has no way to to kill people without with when they have bkbs if there's a slark maybe what you need to do is you need to five man and take a couple of towers and then you'll have a lot more and then put a bunch of sentries down then you'll have a lot of a lot more map control like there's a lot of there's a lot of different things that you can do but i would say for the most part uh when you're dealing with something like a huskar like a slark like a broodmother there is a specific way that you can deal with them because they get strong at a certain point. And I think a lot of people make the mistake of just allowing them to get to that point very easily. And sometimes, like for instance with Slark, if you can stop him even just a little bit before he gets a Shadow Blade, when that does come online, he feels goddamn useless because it's important in Dota to get these items early. Like the, the timings actually matter. And a lot of the time people just get the timings early enough in most games that it feels like, oh God, Slark is always owning. But I guarantee you, if you let like a Slark get like a 30 minute Shadow Blade or a Spectre get a 35 minute Radiance, that is not going to feel anywhere near as strong as when they get the that 10 minutes earlier. Uh, despite it might, it might feel like that way in pubs where it's like, oh, this hero always gets this item and always kills me. Uh, it's it's not like that. It's it's not the item. It's the fact that they got the item early. And then if they do get that item and they're huge, one good thing that you can do is just avoid whatever their play style is. With Slark, like avoid your own jungle, play together on their side of the map, put sentries down. With Spectre, like bait out her bait out her ultimate and and don't fight into the ultimate. Like just don't give them what they want in terms of 
their ideal play style. And, and that, that's, all, that's all you need to do. And sometimes you screw up, you fight into them a couple of times, get to the point where there's no way you can avoid them, and they just win. That's Dota. Some, if you make enough mistakes in Dota, you will eventually lose. You can't just always come back from mistakes. But for the most part, you can, you can capitalize on the fact that these heroes can be played around, if not just stopped in the early game. Yeah, and I think that second point that you made about not letting them play the game that they want to play is the most important part here because while item times are timings are important, I'm also assuming that the person asking this question is probably, you know, somewhere between 1 and maybe 3k MMR. Um, and item timings are, are definitely important in these brackets, but I also know that just from like watching a lot of replays and at one point being at those MMRs, like the games just tend to kind of drag on and then people just continue to make the mistakes that uh, the hero that, you know, might not have gotten a good time on their Shadowblade as a Slark, but then everybody just kind of split up for the next like 25 minutes and the Slark is able to get solo pickoffs anyway, even though he had a late Shadowblade. And so... Really, it's just all about doing exactly the opposite of what the hero wants you to do. So if you're against a hero that abuses invisibility, like a Slark, like a Ricky, or perhaps a, a, an LC that is Blink dueling or Shadowblade dueling you, play as a team, play on their side of the map, or abuse the fact that they're usually alone looking for those solo pickoffs. And then if you're a support, sit behind the, the core that you think is gonna is the most vulnerable to being picked off and then just counter initiate and let them initiate on your core save them kill them and suddenly you have not only made your core much more likely to commend you and listen to you but you've given them a nice boost and and killed this really annoying hero that's now off the map for a while um and so that's pretty much I think that counter-initiation against a snowballing hero is the most powerful tool, pretty much, because we already talked about it in our first answer. Most people want to be the hero. They want to be the solo killer. They want to solo carry games. And so there's a very good opportunity for you to abuse the fact that people will likely be trying to make hero plays all the time. I think I think that's about it. Uh, is that about it? I think that is about it. Do you have anything else you want to say, Jenkins? Thanks for all the support, guys. Got a nice picture on Facebook today about some. There was a meme. It was a good picture, and I liked it. If you guys want to send us pictures, love your pictures. Uh, yeah, guys. Thank you for tuning in for the fifth episode of Alchemy Answers. Be sure to check it out um, on audio form if you would prefer that. And keep asking the questions in the comment section below this video and below all of our other videos because. We will keep answering them as long as there are things to learn about Dota. Good luck, have fun, and we will see you next time.